0: Welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Damon Austin, your host. All right. Welcome, my friends and fellow daemons to Saturnian sessions on daemonosophy, where we explore the groovy, dark vibes that descend upon those who stay up too late on a Saturday night. And tonight, our friend Coyote the Blind joins us again to talk about his new book, Teachings of a Toltec Survivor, which is really awesome. So, Coyote, welcome back to the show. and. um How's it going?
1: It's going great. How's it going with you?
0: Awesome. I'm doing very good. So, um, you know, tonight before I got involved with this, I was watching the movie uh The First Man. Oh, which is uh I, I don't know if you've seen it. It's about um Okay, so it's a, it's a it's a fairly recent film that's about It's the life story of Neil Armstrong, you know, first man in space and man on the moon and stuff like that. And the whole movie, it's like his whole career going on this, you know, uh, uh, Gemini 8 project and other things, getting involved with being an astronaut and, you know, NASA and the Secret Service and all this. And the whole thing, of course, is culminating in the moon. Right. As the final cause. And as I was coming to have this conversation with you, I was thinking about the moon. And this is one of the things that comes up in your book: is this cosmology yeah. of the moon being this oh, yeah. final, the final possibility or a final destination for one current of, of life. Yes. So with yeah. that, I, so so with that, tell me tell me about the moon and tell me about your book.
1: Well, the the, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it's it's from uh, an understanding of the. Of creation or the cosmos that that really starts from sentience, the sentience of the absolute, if you will,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that that unfolds you know, like the opening of a of a flower, and the the last uh, the last uh, point of unfolding or manifestation is matter. Okay, it just not just matter, but the The densest of um, of matter. Uh, Think of it as a black hole, actually, type of, where where matter has been compressed to the lowest. But at some point before that ultimate compression of matter, there is a there is a pullback. Okay, where uh, where uh, out of matter we develop structure. Uh, complexities, structured molecular uh, patterns and complexities that give way to life, planetary life, and and from life complex organisms out of which we have mind. Uh, So in in this view, consciousness and mind uh, are not or actually sentience and mind are not equivalent. Mind is developed from the complexity of organisms that have life in them the human being is is one of those one of these creatures that have evolved with complex nervous systems and brains capable of forming a mind and through this mind the cosmic sentience is experiencing many lifetimes lifetime after lifetime the uh, so you you have two concentric and uh, circles of manifestation, one that comes from the primary sentience of of the Godhead mm-hmm. into manifested uh, life, and then the other one that goes uh, from life back to the uh, primordial uh, Godhead. So the analogy of the moon as the as the last recipient of of, of the light of of sentience would be it's like an analogy um, a symbolism of the unconscious mind okay? which is uh, it's only it's only really unconscious uh, because the conscious part of us cannot really encompass. That uh, that vastness of the dream world of the uh, of the of the unconscious and that is ruled by the queen of heaven or the moon. Mm. So that, that's where that uh, that cosmogony uh, originates from. And so, as as creatures that seek uh, evolution, conscious evolution, awakening and enlightenment. We seek to illuminate the moon, which is to say to make conscious that which is naturally unconscious and to expand the level of awareness that we have from the small ego or chatter of, uh, of, of the personality, chatterbox in the, in the personality allow the vastness of, of the human mind to operate through us. It is also assuming that we are not really a collection of individual minds, but that we are more like individual antennas that tap into the human mind, the egregore of humanity, and, uh, and we become individual expressions of the human being uh which is to say really individual uh, expressions of the uh of the godhead that has incarnated as a as a human being
0: and um aristotle's aristotle says that with the forms yeah the whole concept of the forms that the ultimate expression of a form is that individualized expression that unique expression of it that's the final, or not the final, but a uh, defining aspect of the form coming into being. that yeah. the expression through well, yeah. an individual.
1: You know, Plato starts is the di- the Socratic dialogues where uh, where he creates the analogy of uh, of a city, right, and and the city. Uh, it's really many people get confused at this point but because they believe that he is proposing some sort of uh, political perce- uh, perfection but he's really talking about the structure of the human being with this and at the at the apex of of this uh city which is to say the human being is the philosopher king and so the philosopher king in this case is not uh, an aristocratic individual that rules over others, it is the illuminated self, the the self that has become conscious and a a, a manifestation of the logos and the lover of wisdom that can then put this this city in order.
2: Right,
0: self yeah. self rulership is what I think of. I, to me, that's yeah. that's the key of philosopher king. And where yeah. there's that that potential of misunderstanding, or, it's the or autonomy, really. right, it's like pure. It, it's an expression of pure sovereignty, like total self-rulership rather than rulership over others. Because rulership over others always tends to lead down this, this other this other path. It's like a different pursuit yeah. from, um, yeah, yeah. you know, self uh, self enlightenment. Well, rulership and,
2: over,
1: over others, whether it's uh, an individual ruling or a group ruling. Uh, always assumes that the human being is uh, a limited uh, ignorant and and fundamentally evil uh, uh, you know creature that cannot rule itself and who uh, who does not know any better has no access to wisdom no access to gnosis uh, we are the ones who bring we are the snakes of wisdom that bring the forbidden fruit to humanity trusting them with this gift of the gods
0: absolutely and so you know that reminds me of um something else that you wrote about in here um oh yeah here they thought this city could only have been made for gods they called it Teotihuacan, this does not mean city of the gods, as many say, it means the city from which gods are made. Yes. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on what that means?
1: <clears throat> the structure of Teotihuacan, is uh, it, has, it has a plan of, of a divine architecture where if you walk through the city as an initiatory temple, and you go through specific shocks, as you move along, uh, something changes in you. And so they use the city to train the, the sacred warriors, train them to become dreamers, uh, stalkers, warriors of the heart. And by, by the time they're done with that with that process, they have gone through what, what we used to call the king-making process where a new uh, a new consciousness and, and and a new entity has now taken over the uh, that, this vehicle and so a god is now walking uh, on this planet on this earth and the and the city itself was made for that purpose
0: and So, with that, so you're saying the city uh Teotihuacan the whole city was built and structured as a sort of map of the initiatory process.
1: Exactly, it is it is a map of the of the initiatory process, a map of the awakened uh, individual, and and a map of the of the cosmos in that sense. So so the the human being as as when he's guided through that. Uh, is going through an actual initiation as we know them, where where you uh, where you participate in a story. You know, all external initiations, uh, Masonic style and whatnot, are pretty much that. You become the candidate, and there is a dialogue that has been preset in a series of shocks that are supposed to embed a story. This story becomes a blueprint for the, for the consciousness that even whether you apply it or not resides in you and, and it becomes uh, an unconscious guiding light through the passage of life. If applied consciously, it would bring many insights and teachings and, and, uh, and, and changes your life. So the city itself is made to impregnate in your bones, in your soul, in your nervous system, the passage through the, the pathway of the dead, the, the, the heart of the labyrinth, and then the sun and the moon. And uniting the two, become a complete human being. Attain to the totality of
0: yourself. So this also reminds me of. Um, are you familiar with uh, the Temple Temple of Man or Temple of Luxor? Yes. Yes, with uh, Schwaller de Lubitz and the whole esoteric Egyptology thing. So, um, so a it starts. It, it, it reminds me of that because that's the whole the whole thesis of that. Uh, book by Delubitz is that the temple at Luxor was built as a map of of the soul and the initiatory process as you as you move through it. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of other lots of other examples of, a, of 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 this in ancient civilizations that we could talk to. But well, the, the this... pyramid
1: started around the same time in human history. So the pyramids at Teotihuacan, the pyramids at Giza, uh, evolved around the same time in, in communities that. According to what we think now, had nothing to do with one another. But it's you know th- this is kind of a uh, a hint that there was some sort of contact between this uh, between these civilizations.
0: Uh, yeah, that's where I was going. That's where I was going with this. Is um, what do you think about that question? Because that's a that's a big question. You know, was there contact between these civilizations? Did it start? Uh, on this side, or and move over. Did it start on the other side and move over, or did it start in a totally different place before that and descend, descend out onto both of them at the same time? Um, what are what are your personal thoughts on that?
1: Well, they they all there are only about six basic um, uh, major civilizations that seem to start out of nothing. Most other civilizations you can trace where they came from, but each of the ones that that start right at the beginning of of civilization tell the story of an individual that came down and, and then and, and taught people how to how to plant the earth, how to create temples, how to pray, how to govern, you know, all those things, mm-hmm. how to be civilized. Uh, and the, uh, in 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 Egypt in Egypt you have Hermes in uh, in India and Nepal you have Shiva in uh, here in the American continent you have Quetzalcoatl the plume serpent uh, a a great civilization starts out of that and uh, lingua franca starts out of that each one of these half developed. A system of alchemy, a system of magic, a system of attainment that has uh, endured the test of time by transforming itself and, and its mythology throughout the the ages, right? So whether they come from a commonplace, you know, as in the legend of Atlantis, for example, which many of them have in common the stories exist here in the americas as well as in in the middle east and in europe or whether it comes from a a circle of humanity which would be more like the the higher consciousness of the egregore of humanity that is guiding humanity to its own evolution, uh, or uh, another word to say it is that each, each one of us has a magical aspiration to wake up from the fog, the mental fog of the world. It is inherent in each of us, and in, in every one of us there is this inner whisper, a voice that guides us through this. It leads us to read this book, to go meet that person, to go through this ordeal, right? And whether you listen to it or, or try to quell it because it's interrupting your uh, the, the fun that you're having in your ordinary life, that's up to the individual. But, but we all start with that certain something that calls us. So that certain something... I see it in humanity as, as the inner circle of humanity. And those who tap into that, dedicate their lives to it, and perfect their instrument, which is to say their mind, their body, their actions, to be in alignment with that, with that inner circle. They, they become the initiates and the teachers of, of humanity that has brought us all that. So, I see the beginning of all of these civilizations to be the same source, which would be the the part of humanity that is guiding the species into its own evolution. It's really secondary to me, interesting historically, but secondary, whether there was an actual place where a civilization was developed and out of this civilization it broke into several. Uh, To me, that's very likely to be the case, logically speaking. But uh, for my purposes, it doesn't matter if it's an actual uh, civilization that predated the other six or if it is... More of a Aristotelian telos or a, 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 an aim, something that we are working towards. Because I, I think that is where we need to put our efforts into becoming uh, into becoming uh, the the real human being. Which, by the way, right. in, when you were talking about uh, Plato and Aristotle. The the Socratic dialogue begins with that question. How how do you become a good human being? How do you become wise? And that's when this whole uh, uh, deployment of of Western philosophy begins. We are seeking to become a human being. The, The process of creation is not over. We are responsible for finishing that. So, I'm less interested in where we came from and more interested in how are we going to complete this task
0: yeah no i I agree with that, but that uh, that essential question of of you know who I am and how how can I become something It always seems to open up this door to um also the question of why am I here right there's yeah. like there's this connecting this this connecting of the self. Throughout time, so that's mm-hmm. like uh, because I think when you um, in ordinary life we're accustomed to seeing time unfolding in a certain kind of a compartmentalized kind yeah. of way, and part of the initial beginning to see beyond that is beginning to see uh, time in this in this in a different sort of continuum that extends um, you know in, infinitely in some sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you, you mentioned um, Quetzalcoatl and that reminded me of something else that you talked about and, and I have a quote here for you too um, but Tetzalcoatl wanted to make the ritual literal by pulling out the heart of a victim and sacrificing it to the sun god in exchange for magical powers he wanted to bring rain for the crops he said the gods are displeased they will accept our gift of blood and they will bring safety. In other words, he used the excuse every empire is used. We have a bomb, get slaves, etc., in order to preserve our way of life. Quetzalcoatl, the ruler at that time, was against human sacrifice, but he lost the political battle. When the population was facing hunger and lack of rain, he was accused of being ineffective, of being an ascetic lost in meditation. Yeah. So this whole passage, we're talking about like you know these are like the principles this it's like the principles uh, or the forms going through this process of definition and separation but it's played out through people
2: yeah
0: it's played out through civilization so yep. so this is this is why this is one reason to say that it's not it's not as important whether which one it is what's important is you see the pattern
1: you see the patterns, and and Playing it's a out. pattern uh, as Joseph Campbell uh, said, the uh, the mythology, the history of myth, the the adventure that the myth takes you through, is relevant to your personal life. We are making that decision every single day of our lives, and uh, you see in the in the spiritual marketplace uh, a thousand examples of uh, of People using spiritual force to have a better dream. Okay, uh, do this to live better, to have less problems, to to have less enemies, to be more comfortable. Basically, uh, to have a more comfortable sleeping state.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It takes the the courage of the warrior to to use, if if at all, to use. Uh, to use your spiritual gift to give yourself some interesting problems, right? to keep you on your toes, to be awake,
2: mm-hmm. to
1: have a challenge so that you cannot just rest and go to sleep. Uh, the, the the dynamic between Quetzalcoatl and Tezcatlipoca is that they are both descendants of the same being. Quetzalcoatl is known as the... As the uh, the, the white Quetzalcoatl, Tezcatlipoca is the dark Quetzalcoatl, and Tezcatlipoca means a uh, smoky mirror. Okay? So it's like the deity is seeing itself, but seeing a smoke, smoky mirror. Right? It is the human consciousness unaware of its own uh, divinity, but quite aware of its own power. So it, it's, the, it's the pure power that is not guided by the the light of wisdom. Mm -hmm. The the practice of the ritual of human sacrifice is a powerful, magical uh, process where where the the heart, the Sahasrata chakra, I'm sorry, the, the Anahata chakra, becomes exposed to the divine light of the sun, right? And the sound of our set—it's it. an offering to the to the supreme consciousness of, of the sun absolute. Uh, this sacrifice means the—it's uh, it, really referring to the crossing of the abyss in in magical parlance—is to allow that that single point of entity of hadith to dissolve in the in the desert, right, and and allow the Godhead instead to inhabit one's body and one's consciousness. That was human sacrifice. Uh, the attainment of great magical technologies was something that have brought sometimes destructions to
2: uh, to
1: Egypt to uh, to the Nahuas here in the Americas because they use this technology to affect the uh, the external world only. So what what they did it was the the last uh, civilizations of Toltecs after after thousands of years of of having these schools of magic all over the, all over the continent, they, a few of them developed this technology where they would actually open the, uh, the thoracic cavity by, by the area where Manipura chakra would be, and reach into the heart, pull it out, while it was still beating, and then Offer it to the to to the sun god, all in the name of the goddess of death. In exchange for uh, for food, protection, rain, that that sort of thing. Cea the last incarnation of Quetzalcoatl, was like a Hamlet type figure. Okay, a deeply uh, sentimental, religious. He was an ascetic. He, he would take mushrooms and go up to the mountain and not rule, not solve the problems. That got him kicked out, got him expelled. And when, the, when that city of Tula won that battle, then we, we don't hear from them. After that, the next time we know anything about them is when the Aztecs had came down from the north, they had established the city of Tenochtitlan, and they started the great Aztec Empire. Okay, The Toltecs were pretty much gone. There were a few pockets here and there, but the civilizations that they had helped create was gone. They they found the city of Teotihuacan already in ruins, 200 years after the onset of human sacrifice mm. in that in that region, they adopted the rituals themselves. So the Aztecs continued with that practice. But Ceacatl, uh he did he did uh, three things. One is he distributed his men and women of knowledge throughout the four corners of the world with the Uh, with the charge to maintain the knowledge of the Toltecas and to pass it on from teacher to student in small groups. right? Second, he founded the last city, city city-state, in Cuscatlan. Uh, It was called Cuscatlan, or or the Land of the Jewel, and that is in El Salvador. And uh, the third thing he did is that he, he, he is said to have left on a uh, on a, a carpet made of serpents to the east, right? That's metaphorical in so many ways. But he went to the east, and he promised that he would come back uh, to get rid of the of human sacrifice. He said the year in which he was going to come back. It's uh, the the year was known as the year one of Sayakatl in the Mayan calendar. That was the year. The conquistador Hernan Cortes came back, came over, and he looked like the descriptions of Quetzalcoatl,
2: you
1: know, white, with a with a beard and seemingly magical powers. So he was seen and received as the uh, an incarnation of Quetzalcoatl, and he came over and he destroyed the uh, the Aztec empire
0: right.
2: and therefore
1: ending with the practice of
0: uh, magical ritual sacrifice yeah, yeah. wow uh, that's amazing so the other thing about this story um, about the the rift happening over over human sacrifice you know mm-hmm. and say say a right is that it say a that's the manifestation of Quetzalcoatl who's like going through right. this he's uh, rebelling against this, saying no 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 you don't have to commit sacrifice well two things for one it's like what we were talking about earlier, about the distinction of the philosopher king, because Tetsipale, uh Polka, I always get that name, I always have trouble with that name. The tongue
2: twister.
0: <laughs> he, right, it's a total tongue twister. He says, he he's using the power for control, right? For controlling of, of basically the state mechanism and, and yeah. the organization of the state. And, yes. and, you know, there's a, all such a great metaphor for like the world that we live in right now. That, yeah. You know, how about the road to hell is paved with good intention. Every uh, power, you know, power, uh, uh, centralized authority has like, a oh, this is for the good of everyone. But yes. behind the scenes, there's this horrible um, death and destruction and sacrificing of humanity that's like taking place for it. And every, every and major
1: same- religion, every every empire. Right. Had to- same story. Every police state
0: has yeah. the same story.
1: We're doing this for your good because we have the power. We know how to how to administer it. Yeah, if we give it to you to the people. You're going to not do any. You you won't know how to rule yourselves. Right. But that is the the practice of human sacrifice.
0: Right. Right. And it's a it's an un, it's a it's kind of a perversion of the sort of natural there's a natural sort of elitism of uh, consciousness, I think, and that it, it's something that goes to the few, right? It doesn't, it's like the many like strive and move and then the few um, come to this point and they sort of d- are de facto uh, without force are, yeah. are leaders of humanity because they're leading the bigger picture of, of this. This is kind of like the idea of the the inner circle. That's opposed yeah. to like a... A twisted, a natural concept of, of elitism is where there's a, a, a group that simply exercises power over humanity, um, not to help it move to a, the next stage of conscious evolution, but rather to um, exploit it and keep it in a meta- mechanical cycle, in a kind of cannibalistic, self-consuming um, sort of cycle. And then when, 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 say, a coddle walks away from this, that the pattern of him walking away from this and saying no, you don't. I'm I'm, I'm not going to participate in it. It's it's for one thing, it's kind of Luciferian, right? It's like Lucifer, like okay. walking away from it. But it's yes. also an emulation of um of Zarathustra. One of the stories about Zarathustra, he protested. He was protesting the animal sacrifice that was going on in the yeah. uh the proto-pagan ball worshipping um cults that really are what L came out of the, the character Yahweh came out of like cults like that. Yeah. And, and Zarathustra yeah. was protesting against, he said, no, you don't have to like sacrifice a million animals and, and torture them and, and, and make life really horrible for them. It's unnecessary. And so he protested against that. And so that was kind of the original pattern of him. You know, he was like kind of ostracized for this and kind of had to wander around on his own for a while. So that that's fascinating to me reading what what you presented here because I see all these same patterns, these universal patterns occurring. Yeah.
1: No, it is, and they're perfect metaphor for the the journey that one has to take away from the mob of the world, and away from yet yeah, the mob that tells you that somebody else has the power, not you. Is is the uh, they the, the mob, it's all these voices that tell you that the government is the leader of the nation. No, it's not. They are our servants. We have put them there. And I don't care if it's an army, if it's a religion, if it's a pope. Any Anyone, any of them hold power because we have consciously or unconsciously agreed to keep them there in power. hmm but as a, as a simple human being, none of them have that capacity or that power. It is a matter of regaining that and becoming one's own philosopher king. Walk away from the the need to, to feel safe. There is a nice uh, story that uh, I tell, not in this book. It's uh, it's part of the Popol Vuh or the sacred book of the Nawus. the maya kitchen there is a story of uh, a time when humans uh, were given fire but they they didn't know they didn't know how to make it and how to conserve it right and so one of the one of the sun gods of the times not the sun itself but a solar god sent their servants and their minions and they told the different tribes uh, well i'm going to give you fire so that you can be warm cook your food and be safe right against predators uh, but in in exchange you have to obey me you have to kneel before me obey me and you have to uh, open your chest pull out your hearts and give them to me okay and and so do this human sacrifice and I'll take care of you uh, there was uh, there was one tribe that was visited by, it says, by one of the lords of Sivalba. Sivalba is the underground city, and I, is the, the one I I took us through in our in the last telling that you participated in. In this in this underground city, used to be ruled by the lords of Sivalba, which would be like the Fallen. Angels, and now there is only chaos because he has no ruler, right? But one of the lords there was still walking on the earth, and he he showed up to this tribe and he said, "Don't, uh, don't, don't give yourself in sa- in slavery. Say no. I will help you steal the fire from the volcano god from mm-hmm. the volcano god." And so he did. He, brought the, he taught them how to steal it and how to uh, use it. And so they refused to uh, give in to human sacrifice and refused to obey the slave god, and uh, and instead they uh, they followed the <laughs> the advice of the fallen one, the Luciferian figure. cattle uh, when he when he left in exile to the east coast. Of Mexico, he settled in the peninsula of Yucatan. In, uh, in and uh, there is still there an observatory that uh, where he used to meditate a lot. It's an observatory from where you can see the stars, and especially it's aligned to uh, to Venus in the in the horizon. So they also consider Venus to be uh, a fallen uh, star, one that's always hovering. So again, his lineage is pretty much Luciferian in many ways.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. The mythology, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's intense. And so you mentioned, like, uh, you mentioned this all in the relation in relation to the last telling that I heard, and and so that was in Portland, in this last April, and and uh, I saw you there, and I saw you do the telling again, and 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 it was different than the first time because you had some, uh, you had some, uh, you had some musicians with you.
1: musicians with me. Yeah. yeah.
0: So tell me, t- tell us a little bit about that. Tell us how that whole transition occurred with, uh, with the, with, uh, bringing in other people participating like that.
1: Well, Amy, Amy, uh, uh, contacted me after the telling last year and said, you know, uh, we would like to collaborate with you. And, uh, and right after that, I had started, when she contacted me, uh, the, the new series uh, of tellings where I am collaborating with a different artist on, this, on, on each one. So I, I have one with a vocal artist. I have one with a dancer I, I, and uh, one even with a painter where I'm doing a, a telling. He's creating a painting, right? Uh, and... Uh, in this case, uh, we had those uh, four magicians and musicians who were improvised. Everything was improvised. There was, uh, uh, I, they, they just had to connect with me, and, and I took them in this journey. And they, they, they created this magical carpet of sound in which we can, we can move so
0: yeah no it was it was absolutely amazing i mean I, I was just completely uh pulled into the whole uh world that was being brought into being there um is there recordings of any of this
1: uh i just i, I got a i got an email from uh from amy one of the musicians yeah, just yesterday actually okay telling me that. Uh, that there's a strange hum all throughout and, and it was all lost. Like uh, we, we couldn't use any of that, Oh no. But, but we have a redundant recording. So I do have a recording.
0: Okay, and
1: cool. We, we want to put it together. Well,
0: that's yeah, awesome.
1: And, and, well, and bring it out.
0: So it's going to be available. People will be able to yeah. check it out.
1: Yeah. It's going to be available soon. And, uh, at some point, it's one of my long-term projects to pull together all the tellings in in one volume, uh, because the, the poetry that comes out of the telling is uh, it's it's rather interesting. Uh, not not just the um, not, not just the poetic value of it, but when I when I look at the manuscript of a telling. I encounter a lot of things that I had no idea uh, I had set there. A lot of uh, formulas, keys, insights that I did not consciously have. It's a guide for myself even, as, as for anyone else. Uh, sometimes I hear a term that I have never known, and I have to look it up, research it, and, and it's illuminating. And uh, so, it is uh, it is a code, in uh, a cipher that is um, is guiding me, as much as as much as it is uh, a voyage, a shamanic voyage into the other worlds.
0: So, t- talking about like trying to get to like these deeper levels of consciousness, there's another um, uh, another passage I wanted to read from your book here. When you say, we begin to concentrate the attention of that child to this world with our teachings and what we allow the child to see and the world is thus consolidated. The way this happens is physical by pruning and by getting rid of neural connections. There is constant pruning For five to seven years, the baby begins to eliminate parts of his brain because he has to have what is necessary in this world. So you're talking about how through this process of indoctrination, we actually, um, and I like that term, uh, 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 pruning and eliminating parts of the brain is what you're doing. It's like you're trained to close off. These yeah. certain abilities that you have within yeah. the conscious mind
2: yeah we
1: don't really learn as, as children we don't learn by creating neural connections The connections are there right it's by eliminating some that we develop the patterns of thought of consciousness and and the, the patterns that allow us to focus our attention in something and to find meaning in the world the meaning is given by the by the education of the tribe. Uh, it's it's through this that we learn to know how to behave around people, animals, uh, how to use things around us. You know, the I, I see this cup as a cup because I've been trained to do so, and I do it automatically. Right? I don't have to think about it. Being a cup. The magician is taking this, is taking this uh, fact of consciousness of the brain, and may, may turn this into the magical cup, right? And then use it ritualistically, creating changes in the psyche, and therefore in the perception of the magician. But, but this is the magician attempting to uh, take ownership of the of the process as children we do it because we trust we are hardwired to trust the uh, the adults around us they teach us a language they teach us wh- what the world is all about and once the moment that we begin to behave in the world in expected ways that's when we become part of the tribe. that's when the adults consider us to be a, a formal member you know, and and begin to expect more of us and all that
0: so it's another thing in 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 your writings that makes me think of uh of uh Reich Wilhelm Reich. this is where um I, I he really emphasizes how um through childhood indoctrination. Um, we get closed off to we get closed off to things to higher energies and stuff like that. And the other thing and and you mentioned this earlier, the idea that the the structure um of of government versus the structure of say organized religion is essentially it's essentially the same structure, you know, in terms of like power and force and everything like that. That's another thing that Reich um uh hit me to, right? Because a lot of people have trouble with that. A lot of people—that's a big challenge—to be able to um, see that. And it's like even even our society—we have this idea of church and state, which yeah. already sets your sets up your mind in a binary like kind of way to think. Well, you're on—you got to be on one side or the other. You know, right. you're always on one side or the other. And it takes this big leap, and usually only uh, through shocks. Right? People receive shocks, perhaps accidentally. Maybe if they have the right sort of context or ideas around them, then they can like start to formulate what a different world you know could look like or what the real world you know actually looks like
1: yeah yeah and at the the, there is no no way to get there by the institutions of uh, education around us Uh, no way you have to overcome the seduction of the world and you have to be able to move outside that, that, uh, that those systems that have you trapped. Uh, how you find a door out of that? Well, in the first place, something had to have gone wrong in your education. Okay? Uh, if you had a perfect childhood and your psyche was formed perfectly to specification, and you never have a shock that dislodges your sense of reality. You have no hope. You're going to be stuck through in the through the duration of your lifetime, just like an animal is. An animal is not disrupted. It's, it's The patterns are solid okay, of formation. So, yeah, we, we have to become a little bit off kilter. We... Uh, and, and most magical and shamanic processes are consciously self-induced uh, forms of neurosis, of, of anxiety, or even psychosis that, that you do in a systematic and controlled way that would allow you to take on different personas, to, to invoke uh, a deity and become it for a while and see the world. As the deity sees the world, uh, but a well-formed psyche that is unmovable uh, would not allow you to take this leap outside the the conditioning of the sea.
0: And so uh, in one sense is is working with systems like shamanism or occultism and or, or magic ways of creating uh, shocks or creating opportunities for shocks
1: creating in a, a controlled disruption. manner. Yeah, disruption of the uh, sleep patterns that the world is counting on.
0: And so why do you think that's necessary? Why is it necessary that we have to create shocks like that? Why, why why don't we just as a natural process of, of being a human being on earth why don't we just naturally go through this process
1: well we we do naturally go through this process the the body is built in with some some of the shocks you know the, the release of hormones at a certain time the changes in the body the the, the different faculties that are developed are all designed to create an, a new way of expression in in the world uh, the problem is that we have developed this powerful mind and this powerful civilization that is the uh w- what uh produces education language uh, arts it produces a way of looking at each other right? but we are in an evolutionary process we are not done if we were done then then it's okay to stay as we are. But we're seeking to go beyond where we find ourselves. And part of going beyond where we find ourselves is to not be satisfied with the answer to who we are. The, every religion wants to tell you who you are. And every, city, every state tells you who you are too and how you have to behave. Uh, we are seeking that we are philosophers at heart, and, and we are trying to find out who I, who the fuck am I really, mm-hmm. right? And and this question is uh, it's uh, it's a revolutionary stance that uh, even though my family told me, and the priest told me, and my teachers told me, and my uh, religious and my spiritual teachers also tell me who I am. I continue to ask. And if I continue to ask, is because I have found all definitions lacking, in a way, and I'm trying to find the underlying real truth about myself. So that's an evolutionary move that has to disrupt and dislodge. Okay. Now, an enlightened society would allow that, would have a built-in allowance to that. Take science, for example. Science is is a beautiful development of a system that, if it's working well, it's making itself obsolete over and over. It has, in the scientific method, the, the force and power to continue to question, to continue to investigate, and to redefine the assumptions over and over. And, and a true scientist would never come to the idea that he already knows and already understands. He would know that he has a working hypothesis, and that's all, right? Uh, dogmas, on the other hand, want to quickly come to a quick explanation. Okay? It is like this because that's what God wants. Yeah. Whatever. And, of course, we have dogmatic scientists, but those are not real scientists. But science, as a, as, a, as a system, is a wonderful example of that. Uh, a constitutional uh, republic is an attempt to do that, too. And that's why it's so interesting and loose and, and reinterpretive, right? But that's what we are as human beings. We, have to constantly reinterpret ourselves and rule ourselves in that sense everything that wants to make me static and fixed is is against my evolution it wants me to remain as i am and so we we have this this fight in us and i think that that fight is a good thing
0: are people born with souls in the
1: in the um, lexicon that that I that I bring in this book, uh, we I speak of the soul as something that we build, as that we can build. We we have the the eternal uh, sentience, right? Like uh, and, and and you have this the force of spirit. The breath of God, as it were. Mixed with matter, you create a human being that then gives rise to a mind. Now, the mind is there only when you have a physical organism. When you die, the mind dissolves as well. But the sentience that is behind the mind, that is observing the, the this uh, simulation that the mind is creating about the world, is eternal, and is is part of uh, part of uh, uh, an eternal, immutable being who does not need to evolve and does not need to change at all. But it does need a, a physic. It does need a vehicle to be able to have an experience. Okay? The human body is a vehicle that we used to have an experience in this world. The soul. Is a vehicle that we create with a more refined matter in which we can have an experience in the higher dimensions. So you have to form it. And when you form it, you can survive the death of this body and continue to have an experience in higher planes of existence.
0: So... Um... So here's another question in relation to that. What is the fundamental nature? What do you believe is the fundamental nature of man?
1: Uh, well, for one, I think that, uh, that the human being is the being who, uh, who questions his own nature. Its own fundamental nature, and it is at the at the core of who we are. To investigate this question, other no other creature I see questions this. Okay. We we have to, and we have attempted many answers, but we continue to question. So this questioning, I think, is fundamental, and at, and at the same time, we continue to look within and to explore without. That I have seen in the human being, a constant truth uh, in all cultures, in all genders, and in all manifestations. Uh, And we can call this the spiritual quest. We can call this the uh, God's consciousness trying to find itself uh, but however we call it we are seeking to to know who we are and in knowing who we are we are creating ourselves
0: so that's all so and you think those are all good things
1: i think that those are fundamental things uh, it leads to it has le- led to all the strife in history And it has led to all the wonderful things in history. Uh, But it is precisely in this history, like Hegel would say, that we find our our true essence. Like there there is no human being devoid of history. Uh, 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 Socrates would say that there is there is no there is no separation between being human and and the communities we form.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think Hegel goes further than that and uh, by by seeing the actual historical development uh, of humanity as the essence of, of the human being. Uh, so I don't know how to define the good in this case good versus evil, I wouldn't call it I wouldn't Put it in that kind of
0: balance so what rather- well, do you believe in do you believe in original sin do you believe man is born with some in her, some some wickedness or some indebtedness to
1: you know i oh, wish God. i could have an original sin uh, you know a sin that no one else has committed <laughs> but i just have to <laughs> copy everyone's sin so-, so if
0: you don't have original sin, you're just not being creative
1: you're just not trying hard <laughs> enough, you know. Uh, so pick, pick the best scenes that you can and, and hold on to them. I no, I don't believe, I don't believe in that type of uh, duality. okay uh, The type of original sin that makes you feel ashamed of yourself. I don't. I do I do I do, use the idea of the sleeping state and the and the awakening from the sleeping state and so in this sense what others call sin i I see simply i see in that simply a a being seduced by the sleeping state and that that has many gradations of of uh hold Mm
2: -hmm. on
1: my consciousness and I see the awakening as an independence of the sleeping state, uh, uh, a purity of detachment from it. And in that, I would see the good, in a sense. But but not as sinful, but rather as uh, as functions of sleep and awakening.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I agree with that for the most part, I think. Uh, um the doctrine of original sin and that whole concept is really just used to uh, control people again. To, it's used to and, control, right? Yeah. To coerce yeah. yeah. and control people. I like,
1: uh, I like the mythologies, the ideas that help you be free and to own yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and of course, I, I see all ideas, see all notions as simply tools in the in the tool belt of language of the mind so i I, i'm never advocating anything okay this is the the truth and that is a lie i i don't see it that way either i see all thoughts to be uh, tools and and what do you do with the tool that's the only question are you constructing a work of art are you constructing a better technology or are you misusing them are you using like like an idiot
0: yeah so i mean that what what people end up doing with the resources i mean that's another thing but when i'm thinking of fundamental nature i'm thinking of this i'm thinking of how we come into the world right yeah. and 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 i uh agree with you i think for the most part um uh that that fundamental nature of man. It has to do with consciousness. Um, you know, I, Aristotle said it's, it's reason, the fact that we can like reason mm-hmm. and we can think and I can like think about myself and that I also want to be a uh, free and independent individual. I, I, my, my initial state, my fundamental state is I really want to be a philosopher king. I want to be free and have like self-rulership. Um, and I think that's in its essence good in the same way that I, you know, if I have a bird bird in my hand well i could keep it here in a cage all the time but what i really what he'd like to do is if i just let him free you know let let him go out there and, and let him free and and i think that's good um in in the sense that it would be not as good to, to keep him locked up and you can come up with like lots of philosophical reasons but it's just something that you like sense in your heart but to bring science into it because we talked about science in the place of science a little bit and this is the same question is is nature versus nurture if, if 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 we're not good or evil does that mean we just come into the world as a blank slate
1: well we don't we're, we're not blank the the fact that we have a, a human system a human nervous system we already have cellular memory we have uh, we, we have the genetic uh, uh, code of all generations before us. Okay? And other species that were before us. Uh, and we are born in a world, in a society. Uh, how we are seen and, and, and the language we speak, the, how we relate to the world, is going to pretty much give me a a limited set of possibilities of of the type of mind and personality I'm going to develop. With those, I have to build something, like an artist. So no matter what, I am an artist that is uh, creating uh, an expression of this world. And I am creating myself also uh, uh, within the context of this world, but but the the expression that I can create with this is infinite. See how much I put into that, how how much I fine tune my faculties, and how much uh, how much uh, honesty and truth do I put into my artistic creation? That makes a difference. Mm. Am I ruled by cowardice? Am I ruled by convenience? Am I ruled by false ideas? That that will determine a lot what I end up uh, creating of this life.
2: Yeah. And
1: in that we're all equal. Any of us can decide to drop the fears and work. You know, uh, become a warrior of the heart, as we call it. Yeah. And that—that's what makes a difference.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. So, um, if if people read your book, uh, "Teachings of a Toltec Survivor," will this help them learn how to how to become?
1: Yeah. can, Can you say that again?
0: Will this help people learn how to how to find that that state?
1: Uh, well it, it would only help those who who are already called to it right? uh, reading the book and you 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 could testify to this I think makes you feel something it, it's not just a mental lugubration uh, there is something that is happening the, this book is an artifact that, that gives you a shock. Okay? How you respond to this shock. It, that, that response is the artistic uh, uh, endeavor, mm-hmm. it, it, it would. Uh, it doesn't have a dogma that people need to believe, I don't have any dogmas. I don't have any beliefs to give to people. The, the book is, is a work of art, and so it provokes a reaction. It's not a, a how to do this or why to believe that. It's a it's a series of storytellings that, that snake its way into into your consciousness and provoke a response from mm. you. That is the value of this book, just like that's the value of any art.
2: Yeah. A
1: Toltec a Toltec is an artist fundamentally. And we we speak with the heart, we dialogue with the heart, and and that's what I give in this book. A, an honest dialogue mm. with the heart. Yeah. And that's all it
0: promises, and I think that's absolutely accurate. um that's been my experience of reading this. You touch on so many different things you bring in um you know there's all the i mean you're you're an awesome storyteller first of all, just in, in 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 real time, but this comes through in the book too, and so uh the patterns that are revealed in it, and a lot of them I think are the you know reflected in the patterns that we've been discussing tonight they um, echo of that ancient uh, deep tradition and teaching that gets reflected in things like um, in, in things like Gurdjieff, and things like um, the the ancient uh, mythology, you know, the Aztecs and and the Egyptians, and um, you know, Aristotle, Pythagoras all these things we've been touching on tonight are all reflected in it. And so I think it's just a, it's a really excellent book. A, I think you did a really good thing with this.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's its a result of three uh, paths that I have worked with in my life. Uh, in a niche initiate of Tantra, of Nahuelismo, and of magic. And, uh, and what I present is not a oh yeah, this is what these people believed and this is what they teach. No, what I present is myself. I am the result. I am the product. I I am the survivor of this of this Toltec lineage. And so I present myself. This is not a book about what the ancients believed or what so and so said. It's it's about what I'm doing right now with this, and that's that's who I am, and that and that's what I present honestly in the book.
0: Excellent. All mm-hmm. right, man. Well, keep doing that magic that only you can do, and uh, thank you for dropping in and speaking with us tonight. Any any last words for the people?
1: Oh, just uh, thank you so much, Paul, for inviting me here, and thanks to. Uh, Everyone that's listening and in the words, in the immortal words of, of Pedro, if uh, if you buy my book, all your dreams will come true.
0: That's awesome. Well, you heard
1: that's from Napoleon Dynamite.
0: Oh, okay. That's awesome. Hey, you know what? That's funny. You mentioned Napoleon Dynamite. Dynamite. You mentioned Napoleon Dynamite because last night I saw, um, revenge of the nerds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember that movie from, like, 1982 yes. or whatever, 83? And yeah. um, and there's this character in it named Poindexter who's, yes. like, real nerdy. And yes. he's basically – this is where they got Napoleon Dynamite from. Napoleon looks exactly like this guy. And there's a scene where they're having a party and Poindexter starts dancing. And I'm like <laughs> – and he dances all funny, you know, and it's like, oh, this is totally <laughs> where that? they got the Napoleon Dynamite
1: Interesting. from. Interesting,
0: yeah. <laughs> well
1: yeah, – yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. So that's an interesting uh, topper for this whole uh, conversation, and somehow makes it even more mystical. People uh, want you to go if you can go see Coyote the Blind speaking somewhere and giving his telling. You've got to go see it because there's nothing else like it. Watch for. Do you have you have a website where people can check it out? Check you
2: out. I do.
1: You know, I have a blog at. uh... Coyotatheblind.blog. You can check it out there or a website, Coyotatheblind.com. Awesome. Yeah. I, I recommend the blog. I'm posting almost every day and and you get to access a lot of material from there.
0: Yeah, you know, it, that, that really is true. I follow you on Twitter and I see uh, a lot of the stuff coming off of it and it's all really good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, we will uh, put. Your contact information and your website and your blog, we'll put all of that in the show notes for this episode so people can check it out. And I want everyone out there to pick up the teachings of a Toltec survivor and read it because it will make you a smarter person and it will help you keep the dark fires burning.
1: And, And sexier. Everyone who has read it is sexier.
0: And sexier too, even better. Oh, yeah. To keep that fire burning as well. <laughs> All right. All right, Paul. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Take care. All right.